Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Khan and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Not All Subscriptions Are Equal, Offer Yearly Plans from the Start. Quite descriptive. <laughs> Let's get started. Most bootstrap businesses offer monthly subscription plans. I think almost all of them do. The revenue that's generated from your customers that way is incredible and it's incredibly reliable. If you know how many customers you have, you you know exactly how much money will come in this month, next month, and the future, provided you keep your customers uh, or replace the ones that quit with new ones. And that's where risk comes into play. If you offer only monthly plans, a wave of cancellations can cut into your revenue substantially, and you will feel the effects within the next 30 days, so you don't have much time. Yearly subscriptions allow you to lock in a portion of your revenue in a much more reliable way while providing something valuable beyond dollars, and that's validation. I want to talk about validation a couple times today, so let's just start with yearly subscriptions and validation here. There's something incredibly satisfying that happens when a customer chooses a yearly plan for your product. Not only do they pay up to 12 times as much as a monthly subscriber, but they also communicate something very powerful to you. They trust your business to be around in a year. They trust your product to provide value for at least another year. And they're sure that they won't find anything better until then. That's why having a yearly subscription option is not optional, or it shouldn't be. It should be a choice from the beginning. Because if you can get these three things... With just one change, I would suggest making that one. It also gives you access to a very interesting subset of your early customers. Those are your future evangelists. Look at it like this. Early adopters are already betting on your product working out for the foreseeable future. So if some of them actually commit to paying you a year's worth of money, then you can be sure that they will go above and beyond to make sure your business succeeds. They will be the people who talk about your service on social media. They introduce it to their peers and the members of the communities that they frequent. And you can leverage that, particularly in the beginning. The other benefit talked about with yearly subscriptions is the cash flow. Besides the validation component, a yearly plan will allow you to borrow from future profits to invest in your business right now. Being able to invest the 11 months of advanced payments into the growth of your business will liberate you from the month-to-month kind of thinking you would have to do if you only offered monthly plans. This will protect you from running out of money too fast, which in particular during the COVID-19 pandemic is a serious concern. Any meaningful churn will still do financial damage to your business, so unless half of your subscribers are on a yearly plan, You will need to still iterate on your business when people start canceling in troves, but having a few yearly subscribers will allow you to spend just a few more days or weeks to deal with the things you need to improve. It's additional runway in a way. Let's talk about yearly subscription and discounts finally. You should also discount your yearly subscriptions. At least I believe that and that's for two reasons. First, a cheaper subscription will incentivize consumers who like to save on purchases that they would make anyway. And second, and that's a much more critical reason, a discounted plan can come with a hopefully clearly visible and communicated non-refundable clause. 
This allows you to use the full amount of what people pay you for investing in your business, alleviating the need to keep the funds back for possible refunds should the business run into trouble. Most customers will understand that discounted plans are not refundable. Make absolutely sure that your refund policy is clearly visible to your customers before they purchase and have it easily looked up both in your account settings or the account settings for your customers, as well as in your knowledge base and terms and conditions. Just be as transparent as possible about the refund policy or you will run into trouble. At Feedback Panda, we sometimes refunded yearly subscriptions, even though we had a no refund policy. And that's uh, an important story to tell here because for a handful of hard cases, like people who suddenly lost their jobs or had medical emergencies, we just refunded the money, even though we said we wouldn't. This saved us from chargeback fees that would have occurred had our customers went through their bank. Um, and it would have made a whole deal about this uh, us having to prove that they had actually used the product and sending in like logs from our web servers and from our usage kind of metrics collection. We didn't, didn't want to go through that, so we just refunded the money. Makes for a happy customer. And many of them actually became outspoken evangelists for the product, even when they stopped using it, loudly talking about our surprising new helpful customer service and how respected they felt by us making an exception for them. And to our knowledge, no one has ever abused the system and the loss in revenue was worth all the feedback and gratitude we got from our customers. So even with a no refund policy, consider making exceptions and keeping some of the funds back for this because you never know. I, I would expect particularly in the the starting couple months of the the COVID-19 pandemic, lots of people canceled services or had to cancel services that they were using, um, either in a professional or in a personal setting, because the funds just weren't there. So by being lenient with some of them, you can create a lot of goodwill. And that should be something that is part of your brand anyway as a bootstrap business with the trust that you need to have from your customers to build a meaningful business. So um, let's talk about one more exception here or one more interesting uh, kind of uh, way of approaching this. There are some businesses that only offer yearly subscriptions, no monthly at all. And those businesses follow the magazine subscription model, I guess, that existed since pre-digital times where you could only kind of buy yearly subscriptions and we'd have to pre-commit. I think SaaS businesses don't usually require yearly-only subscriptions for their economics to make sense because they are built on a monthly recurring model or they can leverage that pretty well, but I still recommend offering a yearly option from the start. And of course, you will need to be willing to commit for at least a year of providing the service if you want to put in yearly subscriptions. So if you're in a testing stage, in the beta stage, kind of have a choice if you're not really sure if you want to keep running the business or not, if you're just doing this for validation, but the moment you think this could be something, offer the yearly plan. The validation you will receive from this will be worth it. And because if your customers make that commitment, so should you. And I think a yearly subscription will help you with that. And I mentioned that yearly subscriptions provide a very clear validation signal. And that brings me to another thing I'd like to talk about today, again, and that's validation in itself. 
On Wednesday, the 27th, I co-hosted a webinar with uh, fellow founder Tyler Tringus, who's both running Earnest Capital and the Founder Summit and Founder Summit Remote, the COVID-19 version of that conference. The webinar was part of that Founder Summit Remote, which is a Slack community and a forum community of founders who are interested in becoming better founders. And we had bootstrappers send in their business ideas so that Tyler and I were able to suggest ways to validate them more efficiently. Um, I'll share a few insights from this webinar after this. Today's guest sponsor is Trendly, and that's uh, written T-R-E-E-N-D-L-Y, a web app that spots rising trends in different industries. Trendly was brought to market by Mike Rubini, who has bootstrapped multiple software products, and he actually has started a podcast recently. Very interesting guy. And being an entrepreneur, he's always thinking about the future and what's the next product I can sell, what's my next opportunity. But the more he worked, the more he realized that his perception was limited and he was missing out on good opportunities just because he didn't know of their existence or it was just too late. It's like living in a bubble and you only know about things you know. So as he wanted to shorten these gaps, he built Trendly. Trendly scours the web, analyzes thousands of data points and finds proven topics before they take off, before it's too late for you to act on. Additionally, you can search for topics and monitor how they perform over time so that you can build your own private library of trending topics. Go check it out at Trendly.com. That's T-R-E-E-N-D-L-Y.com. If you'd like to receive a promo code for Balsamic, who sponsored this uh, slot for Trendly today, or even just thank the folks at Balsamic for supporting our community here at the Bootser Founder Podcast, please visit balsamic.com slash go slash bootstrap dash founder. Um, they're an amazing product. They're an amazing bootstrap business. Uh, part of the bootstrapper community can only recommend it. So thanks, Balsamic. Let's continue. Let's talk validation. I had a blast chatting with Tyler yesterday. Um, so that would be Wednesday the 27th. Um, during this 90-minute conversation, and I remember, if I remember... Well, if I remember correctly, we shared our validation approaches for seven business ideas. Anything from ideas that were made up seconds before participants signed up to the webinar to businesses that already have paying customers. So there was a, a mix in there. And Tyler is, it's himself is involved in a large number of bootstrap startups through his work as, at Earnest Capital. And he offered some great insights while we worked through these ideas. And because people have asked about a recording for this, the webinar itself was recorded and it will be made available in the Founder Summit archives, which are part of the paid Founder Summit community. Um, the webinar itself was free and public. The recording probably won't be. But Tyler and I had so much fun that we agreed to do this again eventually. And I bet the Indie Hacker and Bootstrap idea, uh, idea community won't run off ideas just yet. Um, that next webinar, I intend to have public and free as well. So if you want to join the next one, that'll be a free thing. So let me talk about a few things that we noticed during the webinar. Uh, a common theme was a lack of clarity about the audience of the for the ideas that people submitted. Over 60 ideas were sent in, and I looked at all of them in preparation for the webinar, but only a dozen or so had provided an audience that I would call clearly defined. A large number of ideas wanted to sell to I don't know, small to medium businesses that use a CRM or small companies from a certain geographical area. It was 
very, very generic. And a customer description like this is great if you're selling beer at the scale of Anheuser-Busch, like AB InBev. People who like beer, yeah, that's indeed their audience. But they have a billion dollar ad budget. And literally, they spend over $1.5 billion on ads every year for the last couple of years. And if you're a bootstrapper, your ad budget is maybe a few hundred dollars. It's not a few billion. So you better reach exactly the people you need to reach through your ads for that kind of money. And that is much easier with a well-defined audience and as niche as it gets. And some of the ideas we validated had audiences like indie music label owners, or podcast creators. These are audiences that you can actually size up. These are audiences that are niches that are well-defined. There are numbers available for these kind of groups. And for Tyler and I, those were also the ideas that were much easier to validate, as knowing your audience allows you to look for perfect candidates for customer exploration and all the kind of initial efforts to get the business going. And that brings me to another big learning that we repeatedly recommended during the webinar. The best audiences are the ones that you're already a part of. When Danielle and I founded Feedback Panda, we knew exactly how the online teacher audiences work. Because we knew what problems they had and how critical each of their problems actually was, as Danielle was exactly such a teacher. She experienced all of this firsthand and she knew the intricate details of the day-to-day challenges of an online teacher. And she could communicate that so we could actually build a solution. And that gave us a huge initial advantage since we knew what to look for, what questions to ask and which things we needed to validate. If you're part of your audience or you become a part of it during your research efforts, validating things down the line becomes much less guesswork and you'll be more confident in making sense of customer feedback because you understand it. You understand why people say something, not just what they say. That should be a given, but also where it comes from, what it's contextualized within. Tyler suggested another great approach here, which is usually filed under things that don't scale. He said that if you're not already a part of your audience, you can at least work for them, hands-on, doing a project in the same space that you want to eventually build a SaaS in. Here's the idea that triggered this suggestion. A webinar participant, Chris, wants to build a SaaS platform to help art fair exhibitors and exhibitions with their booth layouts and the design problems around that. Instead of endless customer exploration calls, Tyler suggests for Chris to just offer doing all the work for an exhibitor or for a whole exhibition as some sort of concierge service. A full hands-on consulting service, doing the work, doing all the design and layouting for all the exhibitors for full art fair. That way, Chris will have full visibility into the actual problems of both exhibitors and the exhibition. He'll see the bottlenecks and experience the mismatched expectations between both parties himself. And after that, he can build a SaaS solution and then do the same thing again. Offer to do the whole work for an art fair. But this time, he can use his own product for this and see if it actually does the job. And after that, he'll have a well-validated, battle-tested product and at least one and a half reference customers, if you can call it that. It's just important to be part of the audience because to me, the audience is the, the core, the central part of a business idea. And during the webinar, I also talked about this kind of progression, 
Most people come with an idea and they have this kind of product idea and then they try to figure out, well, what problem does it solve and who has that problem? Which I think is backwards. My philosophy in looking at ideas, at generating ideas, is to start with the people who you want to help. I think you should start with who am I helping and that's your audience. Why do they need help? figuring out their problems and hopefully their most critical problem because that's the one that they're actually going to pay money for to have solved then how can i help them with that problem which is your solution and finally and only then do you think about the actual product with what can i build to help people that way that i just figured out as a solution so it goes audience problem uh, sorry yeah audience problem solution product and not product, solution, problem, audience. So it's just important to be very, very clear on the audience that you're serving because that's the whole point of a business. You are helping a group of people that share certain characteristics and each audience with their critical problems. And the better you can define this group of people for yourself, the better you understand this group of people, the better you have access to this group of people, the more easy it will be to detect the real impact of problems on their lives, find out a way of solving this problem that actually fits into the workflow that people already have because any problem is surrounded by things, right? Surrounded by processes, surrounded by jobs that need to be done and your solution should fit in there and then build a product that's in the right medium and it just reaches them the right way and allows them to actually solve the problem they have in a way that generates value. So start with an audience, best if you're part of it. If you're not, if you know somebody who is you can work with, you can just team up and build a solution for this space. And if you don't have access to that, try to work for somebody in this audience to understand the problems that they face. Just if you look at idea generation from this perspective, you can validate everything along the way. If you come up with an audience first that you want to help, You can validate that. Do they exist? How many are there? Is this going to be possible to build any kind of business in the space? And once that is validated, you can look into the problems. Do they even have big problems? Do they have problems that they're experiencing so much pain through that they would actually pay for a product? Which problems would that be? And then you have found a problem. You look into the solution. Can I even build something to solve this within the constraints of the workflow that exists? Can validate that. And once that is validated, you can build a product that actually does this and validate if that product actually implements the solution in a way that helps them solve their problem. So here, what I'm trying to say is if you can validate every single step along the way, you're going to end up with something that is very likely to have a meaningful impact on people's lives. But if you turn this around, like many founders do, and you start with, oh, I think this product should exist, and you build out the product in your mind and it does this thing, it has all these features, you're essentially building something on completely unvalidated assumptions. You assume that it actually solves a problem. You assume that there is a problem and you assume that there are people who have that problem. But until you validate this, this idea is nothing but a bundle of unvalidated assumptions. So if you want to train yourself to have a better approach to idea generation, Start with the audience, go to the problem, find a solution, and then think about a product. Um, We talked about a good many more of those kinds of validation 
problems and validation approaches. And if you want to find out more about validation, I suggest checking out my guide, Zero to Sold, that's on the blog. Because I've written like four or five articles on audience problem solution and product validation and the exploration process that goes with it. And of course, if you want to join the Founder Summit remote community, I can only recommend that. I'm not affiliated, but it's worth every dollar. Regular events, very active conversations, and lots of founders to bounce your ideas off. And these are founders who are actually committed to paying like 200 bucks a year to be part of this community. So these are, these are founders that take being a founder seriously and really want to go there, really want to go, get as much help and as much support as possible. It's crazy to think, honestly, that this community would never existed if it wasn't for the pandemic. Because the Founders Summit was supposed to happen as an actual real conference in Mexico City um, earlier this year. But of course, COVID-19 put a stop to this. But the team immediately pivoted the whole thing into an online community. And it has been quite substantial. Lots of really, really interesting people doing really interesting events from their homes for everybody else joining in on Zoom. So it's really cool. Um, I recommend at least checking it out. And yeah, I think that's that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at ArvidKal, A-R-V-I-D-K-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to Arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It'll help you or up mostly other founders and founders to be to find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling the bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. <laughs>